This is a CBC podcast. Licking Talus Dome in the winter, getting your <laughs> tongue stuck. You know, what more Edmonton could you get? Hey, I'm Claire Bonnyman, and this is Edmonton. Not a lot of people think about public art in Edmonton like David Turnbull does. David, what exactly do you do? I'm the uh, Director of Public Art and Conservation with the Edmonton Arts Council. We're sitting by a piece today that gets a lot of foot traffic. Um, Tell me about Lunch Break. Sure, so Lunch Break is a sculpture located at the northwest corner of Churchill Square. Um, It was done in the 1980s um, by an artist named John Seward Johnson. So he's actually a descendant of the Johnson & Johnson family. So shampoos, no more tears, all of that stuff. Which is kind of ironic because every time I see Lunch Break, I want to (laughs) cry. Tell me about the guy. Because, okay, when we walked up to this today, you were like, oh, and it just got cleaned. But clean is not the word I would use. No, he's covered in food and a Sharpie marker and someone tied a USB cable around his neck. Which, it does not look nice. No, no, it looks horrendous. It's really a shame. That side of the conservation of the cleaning, I think, is something not a lot of people think about with a piece like Lunch Break that you mentioned this is something that's probably more often vandalized than some other pieces. How much conservation and maintenance is going into keeping this guy looking perky? Oh, this guy needs a lot. Um, you know, and, and I think that that's, that's kind of the symptom of it being a fairly well-loved piece in the collection. I mean, he's approachable. He's this guy sitting on a bench. He got his lunchbox, his his cup of coffee there, uh, his toolbox, and uh, people have you know it's it's life size. It's relatable, so people get up close to him. They get personal, and unfortunately, that also means expressing their love through sharpie markers and lipstick and things like that. And in this case, someone dumped their lunch all over him as well because he is lunch break. So <laughs> they broke their lunch over they lunch. Broke break. Their lunch over lunch break, exactly. That's right. The USB does strike me as pretty creative. What are some of the wildest ways that you've seen people um, make their additions, let's say, to public art? Oh, geez, I would say that with this case, um, some of my favorites are when the Oilers are in the uh, in the playoffs. He gets covered in stickers quite a bit, oh. temporary tattoos. Uh, all over him um, but we we do see a lot of pieces especially when when there are new pieces in the collection that first go in there's a little bit of a reaction to them before they start to kind of disappear into the fabric of the landscape uh, they get a lot of attention and so people do carry sharpie markers they carry lighters they carry lipstick and nail polish with them so those are some of the things that are, are pretty common I mean, like, what kind of products are you using on these art pieces? Well, literally glue gone in some cases. Um, we do have trained conservators and on staff, and so we're one of the few municipalities in the country that have that. So we're pretty unique in that way, uh, that we do make that investment up front. So we're not always having to call in contractors all the time. That said, we do still work with contractors. They use commercial cleaning products, uh, stuff that you can buy off the shelf at a hardware store in some cases. And in some cases, depending on how severe it is, we have to get a little bit more specialized and a little bit more uh, inventive with how we do repairs. Severe? Like, what do you mean? Well, let's say if someone wants to take a hammer to something and do some serious structural damage, then we have to, then it goes beyond just the regular cosmetic repairs. Like free a man from the talus dome? 
Exactly. You know, when the jaws of life have to come out, they got to come out. <laughs> it strikes me as a bit of a catch-22, because like you said, people are fond of some of these pieces of art. They see them as familiar, so they engage with them. How do you wish people maybe approached or, or looked at public art in Edmonton? You know, I, I, first of all, I love that they're engaged. Um, I think that's fantastic. The last thing we want is for something to be ignored. Uh, then I think everyone has kind of failed in that process if it gets ignored. Um, I mean, I love when people take pictures. I love people sitting on top of things. I don't want people to climb art. I don't want people to get hurt. That's the number one thing. I also don't want them to damage the artworks. They're not made for that. Um, but in the case of lunch break, I mean, I love that, you know, if, if people take family pictures with them. I love if people are just sitting there having their own lunch on, a, on the bench next to them. I think, I think things like that are fantastic. You touched on controversy off the top. How do you react to that as someone who works in this field? Um, you know, it, it's taken a long time to really develop, I would say, a thick skin around that. Um, because everything that we put out there, someone will have something to say about it. Um, hopefully positive, often negative. Um, Public art is one of those things where it really needs time. It really needs time to, for the environment to grow around it, for it to be accepted. Um, not everything is going to be uh, a hit with everyone right off the bat, and we know that. Uh, but that's no different than architecture or anything else that's new in our, in our environment, right? Um, right across the square from us, we're looking at the, at the public library. You know, and there was a lot of criticism around the design of that. But look at how the library has embraced this um, as, as their new identity, right? Um, and I think that people do as well when you take that kind of an attitude. David sent me a picture of lunch break later that afternoon. He was squeaky clean, which is really impressive, honestly. Edmonton is covered in these pieces of art and design, murals and, and phrases. You have where David works, the Edmonton Arts Council, and those more official city public art installations. But there are a lot of private and public murals and pieces that go up, especially downtown. One of the most prominent walls in the area around Churchill Square went up in 2016. It's the Wall of Encouragement on the north face of Melkor's 100th Street Place building. You might recognize it better as this. Take a risk. It's the most Edmonton thing you can do. Well, to find out more about that mural... That's former radioactive host Portia Clark. Back in 2016, she spoke with Chris Gusson of Make Something Edmonton and Nicole Forsyth of Melkor about the Wall of Encouragement. Make Something Edmonton was a community-building initiative run out of the Edmonton Economic Development Corporation, which we now know as Explore Edmonton. They had a partnership with Melkor, a real estate developer, and it turned into these 13 words spelled out in eight-foot-tall letters. Edmontonians love the city, but we don't necessarily know how to articulate that in a cohesive way. Mm -hmm. So this goes all the way back to then. And since Make Something Edmonton launched, uh, we've been working a lot with grassroots, with people all over the city. And we've got now uh, over 1,400 projects up on our site. But this mural is a way of it coming full circle to show how the business community uh, can be involved in sharing the Edmonton story. And so Melkor actually saw the potential in their wall. They decided to approach us. And then we had a lot of these ideas already pre-cooked to discuss with oh, them. Oh, really? Well, it is a, it is a great wall. Um, Nicole, tell us more about why you wanted to get involved in offer up your building and that north-facing wall, which is so prominent uh, for something like this. Yeah, we saw that blank wall as a potential canvas 
that we could use to make a statement to Edmonton that is not only about Edmonton, but to encourage Edmontonians to do something that um, we really identify with as being who we are as a city and also who we are as a company at Melcor. And so you could have gone with uh, the idea of, in terms of the art, making a mural in a traditional sense, but this is actually a quote or a motivator, and, it, and you're calling this the wall of encouragement, I think is how you're phrasing it. Uh, why is that? Why does it speak to that particular quote? Going back to our, our roots and our history as a company and as a city, we wouldn't be where we are today if our founders and our predecessors hadn't taken many risks along the way. Um, so I think that's a large part of it. Also, one of, uh, one of our founders, or not our founder, but our second leader, uh, he's quoted as saying, Success, successful professionals are not born, they're made. And all they need is honesty and integrity and the ability to try. Mm. And take the risks, take the I risk. guess. Trying too. is taking a risk. Yeah. And so how did the the man who made the design or who made that, when did he get involved and you decided to go with the quote and the large letters, uh, Clay Lowe, I think is his name? Yeah, that's right. Clay Lowe, and he's on the side of the building still right now. Uh, he uh, got involved last year. We've been planning this for a while, actually, because this is quite a large scale project. And we had a selection of phrases already. So we had things like, take a risk, it's the most Edmonton thing you can do. What are you making? How can we help? Uh, even the term make something evident itself is in the same spirit, which is uh, an encouragement, a flavor of encouragement for Edmontonians. So we worked with Melkor. They picked the phrase that, uh, like Nicole said, resonated the most with their own history, their connection mm -hmm. to the Edmonton story. And then Clay kind of took it from there in terms of figuring out how we were going to get these giant letters up on the side of the building. How, how big are each of the letters? I've tweeted Today, Clay Lowe is no longer strapped to the side of the building. Make something Edmonton shut down in 2020. And the most Edmonton thing you can do has become kind of a catchphrase. It's something we actually talked about when we were initially building this podcast. So I met up with Clay, creative director and designer at his own firm, to talk about this piece, its reception, and why it really matters what we put up on the wall of our city and how we do it. Clay, hey, I thought it was you, but I was like, I don't know. That's <laughs> no, all good. Nice to Hi. Meet you. It was pretty cold outside that day. So Clay and I actually met at the EPL Stanley Milner branch. On the third floor, we grabbed a couple chairs on the southwest side, where there was a huge window facing right out at the mural. What did you think when you were first brought in to, to put this massive installation on the wall? I thought it was big and I thought it was ambitious um, and an ambitious place to sort of start a campaign that they had developed and, and shared with me. Several of these statements that they felt expressed something unique about Edmonton or Edmontonians or the energy here. Uh, and some of them were, were really great and, and I think inclusive and supportive of creativity and makers in the city. Uh, one example was, um, what are you making and how can we help? And th this was like one of many messages that they had developed. I think another one was um, some cities are finished, others you can still work on, you know, to that effect. So th it was kind of the spirit of collaboration and uh, new energy that they were trying to generate. My task was to manufacture the letters and to put it on the wall. The letters themselves are actually a fabric, essentially modge-podged onto the wall. Clay added an element of white where it almost looks like clouds. And on the day we were there, they almost matched the sky perfectly. I don't stare at it from this angle very often. The more I look at it, I just can't imagine what it would have felt like to be up there. So in Edmonton's downtown, just the location, the site of this is um, sort of 
perpendicular or adjacent to two buildings and the wind coming through could be you know a risk or a challenge to maintain you know safety so uh, or incoming inclement weather or storms right we, I think we installed this in June of 2016 that summer was no different than most Edmonton summers where winds would come through and storms so you know as, as long as we could keep it safe um, that's was the, the sort of the main priority but my colleague Evan Rast and I, uh, I, we worked together really, really well. And there was a, a swing stage, two of them, in fact, that spanned the entire wall. So we could go up and down uh, safely. People have really re- reacted. And it's become kind of a funny, infamous phrase. It's in such a prominent spot downtown. What did you think when you kind of saw that response? As someone who does make public works and, you know, maybe you work to anticipate what might come from them. Yeah, uh, I think... When things are installed or or built in the public realm, even the EPL, for example, that we're sitting in right now, uh, can generate feeling and emotional response and debate and discussion. What they were trying to do in the launch of their sort of place branding campaign uh, was to generate discussion and generate energy around that discussion. So in, in that sense, I think that that was a great place to then like bring that energy forward into you know whatever direction that they wanted to. And I I think the response was probably mixed, right? Um, As many things in the public realm can be. Um, And and I think maybe some people really define risk, you know, differently than others, right? I mean, we all sort of, you know, associate and and define risk in different ways. If you were on social media in 2016, you know it was a pretty weird time. When this wall first went up, it was co-opted into Reddit threads and tweets, rest in peace. And people took that idea of risk and added our self-deprecating sense of humor as a city. Poop in the funicular. It's the most Edmonton thing Stab you can someone. do. It's the most Drive Edmonton. 140 on the Henday and complain about photo Throw a radar. bird scooter off Move the high level bridge and complain about your commute. Edmonton. Wear shorts in 40 Edmonton below. It's the most Edmonton thing you can do. Clay luckily escaped most of this at the time, but these threads still come up every couple of years on the internet. And today, this wall inspires appreciation and potentially the biggest inside joke in the city. It was part of a marketing campaign, effectively, a brand idea for Edmonton and our entrepreneurs. So it's not public art, but it still stands among some of the most recognizable spots in Edmonton. And it begs the question, what does a relevant addition to the city look like? If we focus on public art, what does meaningful public art look like to someone who works in that space? I mean, I think community collaboration and I think expression of uh, diversity and multiple languages. Um, you know, my background is, is also in design. So I think a lot about letters and languages uh, and about the written word and about writing and text and configuration of text and all of that stuff, right? And how it blends into the public realm and in addition to public art so that these things can live together. Information and creativity can combine to make more interesting cities. Um, and I think they have over time, right? Especially if you've traveled to you know, ancient cities where you see the combination of information and art together, I think that makes for a much more exciting public realm. And to me, that's kind of how I make meaning is by not only wanting to find my way through an urban environment or, or a public space, but to be interested while I'm doing it, right? You know, it doesn't always have to be delightful. It could be challenging. It could be um, colorful. It could be Uh, you know, the absence of color, just, you know, something that provides visual interest and becomes a more engaging experience within 
the the sort of urban realm, right? And also, I think uh, I've come to appreciate things like landscape and architecture too in in that recipe, right? In that mix. With that in mind, I mean, obviously, ancient cities have a leg up on us. They've been around a little longer. <laughs> but when we look at downtown, I mean, even how much it's developed, you were involved with the AGA. Like, you know, there's so much even just about this few blocks that have shifted in recent years. What do you think it's going to take to push Edmonton design that much further and bring in some of that interest in those layers of language and meaning? I think in some ways it's happening now, which is exciting to see. The way the city of Edmonton has changed in its urban design and landscape over the last decade specifically, but probably, you know, 20 years, uh, it's been significant. Like a complete revitalization of the downtown core, adjacent areas around um, Churchill Square. Uh, soon there'll be a, a sort of second concert hall behind the Windspear, which looks stunning in the renderings. Um, so, you know, I, I think... All of these projects are not without probably some challenges in growth and even expectations. You know, if you consider the EPL and um, how the design changed, right, based on budgetary constraints or you know, whatever those reasons were. But I think Edmonton has changed and will continue to. I think what's important is that we bring all of us sort of along. Um, in the sense that social agencies are also given agency and provided space and uh, you know we're in the midst of an affordability and housing crisis uh, and we can see that downtown right and the expressions of that so I think um, it's really important that we consider the public realm as a space for people to have healthy interactions and uh, also access to basic dignity and uh, services. Just one last time, I want to turn our attention back to the wall. (laughs) From your perspective, what is the most Edmonton thing you can do? (laughs) Well, growing up here, I I think the spirit of what they were trying to capture sort of holds some water or holds some truth to it in the sense of, I think collaboration and creativity is a really, like two really important features that I've noticed about Edmonton that I haven't noticed in some other cities. I've always sort of joked that Edmonton people come here for love or for money. And that's just that's just my joke. But it seems that it lands with people because there are some really solid folks here. And um, there's also industry and cost of living that is maybe more approachable than other Canadian cities. And I, th- I think working with others to a common goal is, is like a, it seems maybe a little vague, but um, it's certainly something that I've, participated in and and seen in Edmonton. If if it's not here, you kind of have to build it. Murals, installations, public art, they all play a role in Edmonton's visual identity. They're recognized, whether as the butt of a joke or a statement of what matters to us, where we want to go and where we've been as a city. It's something David and I spoke about too when we were sitting by lunch break. It's not that it's just about creating a thing anymore. We're not talking about what we would call plop art. We're talking about art that has a deep level of research, a deep level of engagement with citizens during its creation. You know, and I think that's been the the most significant change that we've seen is this push to really understand and link how artists work together and how they can bring communities together. How do you feel about the kind of landscape of all the visual works that we have in the city? I think it's fantastic. I would, I would uh, be really remorseful if the Arts Council were the only ones to commission public art. I'd like to see it happening in the public sector. I'd like to see it happening by other agencies as well. Um, 
because what it says is is that this stuff's important. It's important that that all levels, all sectors uh, take this kind of initiative on because it's about beautification. It's about identification of the city, right? And it's about representation. So I think it's fantastic. Is there such thing as bad public art? Uh, I think there's such thing as bad art, um, you know, and public art is just one more form of art. So what makes bad art? I think, you know, if you if the artist doesn't really consider who their audience is, uh, with public art especially, you really, it really is a difficult field for artists to go into because the considerations around who the who, who the viewers are how it's going to work within the space, how it's going to age over time. These are all things that the artist really needs to think about that they don't always have to think about the same way when they're looking at putting art within the gallery walls. What is the most Edmonton thing you can do from your perspective? God. (laughs) That's a a good question. You know what? Licking Talus Dome in the winter, getting your (laughs) tongue stuck. You know, what more Edmonton could you get? Right? Which I would hate to see, by the way. (laughs) Don't do it. Please don't do it for David. Don't do it. Please don't do it. The last thing we want is to clean tongue bits off of the balls. The towel. (laughs) 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 Off of Talis Dome. Yeah. (laughs) This is Edmonton is a local podcast from CBC. And our team this week is Leslie Goldstone and me, Claire Bonnyman. This is Edmonton is recorded on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional gathering place of the Cree, Soto, Blackfoot, Métis, Dene, and Nakota Sioux. Leave us a rating or a review wherever you download the show, and you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.